0: What's going on, guys? Uh, we just released last week RTP install uh, 64 and 65, which is our weak power. Uh, we also just released Old Miss vs. Alabama on Film Room long handoffs, uh, and we will be releasing soon our second episode of Film Room O-Line. So you guys go check that out on our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. TeamBuilder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, TeamBuilder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Right now, TeamBuilder is offering a free 10-week spread offense tempo training program when you start a 14-day free trial at TeamBuilder.com. That's Team build Com. Make sure you guys put in the code RTP. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sports Performance Tracking, or SPT. Sports Performance Tracking is a wearable GPS device that athletes can actually wear during football games. GPS analytics has been used at the pro level, but never filtered its way all the way down to college and high school until now. With GPS tracking, coaches can measure workload of a player to ensure that they aren't overworking or underworking. SPT is used by almost 25,000 athletes around the globe, from professional football clubs in Europe to high schools in Texas. SPT allows coaches to understand their players' fitness levels and compare to other players. One coach for the University of Louisiana Monroe said, there's no more hiding behind effort. Get the best out of your players and keep them injury-free with SPT. Go to sptgps.com for more information. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Just Play. Whether you're a coach looking for a personal playbook tool, or you're on a staff at a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. They have recently released a new product called My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels, from Pop Warner, Pee Wee, all the way to the NFL. Create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments, all starting at just $10 a month. Learn more at myjustplay.com. Again, that's myjustplay.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Grady Breen. Coach Breen is the quarterback's coach at South Carroll High School in Frederick, Maryland. He also hosts the Pass Game Chat on Twitter. Listen as we talk with Coach Breen about his unique journey through the game of football the benefits of playing lacrosse in addition to football, and a great conversation about the pass game. Uh, we had a lot of fun with Coach Breen. Uh, just a trigger warning for all of you uh, Texas guys out there. Uh, these first five minutes is, is a little bit. Uh, he says something pretty harsh. I know it's gonna it's gonna hit home. So uh, trigger warning for you guys. Uh, but but in all seriousness, we had a blast with Coach Breen. Uh, you can follow Coach Breen on Twitter at Open Cross Plant. Hope you guys enjoy.
1: Are you did you did you guys uh, head down to San Antonio or not this year?
0: Not this year. Coach Walls has been probably several times. I've never been, um, and and um, it was probably the closest as it, it's ever been to me as a coach uh, being down in San Antonio from Oklahoma. So I didn't really have much of an excuse. My only thing is, um, uh, obviously, we get a lot with with doing this and different things, but also uh, uh, big groups of people are kind of my uh, are one of my one of my fears.
2: I don't know. If, I don't know if
0: "fears" is is the right word, but um, definitely not a comfortable situation when there's thousands of people packed into one spot for me. I'm not sure what that deal is, but um, but no, didn't get to go to this one. But Walls, you've been to quite a few, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I've actually been to one in uh, San Antonio when I when I was at Tulsa. Actually, um, I think that was <clears throat> yeah that have been the year. So having it down on the Riverwalk, it was actually a really good time. But you know i it's it's hard for me now to to kind of validate taking time off of school you know i only get a couple of personal days and and quite honestly they they won't give you any professional days up here unless it really pertains to your teaching deal so i mean unless i can get lucky sometime and there's a instructional coach convention and the afca going on at the same time i'm going to i'm going to have to use the personal days and and coach harper and i are kind of saving those up because we have some other clinics uh, actually going on out on the west coast so we'd we'd kind of plan that first, but i love the afca it's fun yeah
1: it's it's a good time i bet i was a uh i was there a couple of years and that that'll probably fit into a bit of my story but uh yeah i i didn't go last i didn't go this year i went last year but it's it's definitely a different perspective when you're taking personal days and stuff so yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, which ones did you go to then, Coach? We can start with that. I mean, what's you've been to two of them. What would you say your favorite one was out of the two? Uh,
1: So, let's see. Well, I went in, I think, 2014, um, 2015, and then 2016. So, I was was in in Indy. Yeah. So, I was in Indy. Let's see. Indy, Louisville, and San Antonio. And I want to almost say I like the place at Indianapolis the best. It was, I feel like, the most conducive to just kind of walking around. It was a bit cold. Uh, that was my first one. I was, actually, I was actually in a junior in college. I will bet I'll, I'll reference that later. But um, personally, that was my favorite. I think it was probably the best attended that I saw um, etc but the, the, the riverwalk's awesome Char- uh, i think it was yeah i went to charlotte last year too so i've, I've been to four total um charlotte was cool I, some somehow some way it always seems to be unseasonably cold when i go to convention seats, <laughs> uh, which is which is just kind of funny i think it was like 42 degrees on the riverwalk when we went and the if anyone's looking to go to san antonio the Alamo is the most, like, overrated thing you can ever see.
0: It's, oh, yeah. no, you're going to make a lot of Texas people mad. <laughs> <laughs> you're exactly right, but you're going to make a lot of Texas people mad. <laughs> I can't wait to get the hate mail.
1: <laughs> you're oh, going to well.
0: get it. You're going to get it. I, I yeah. saw a uh, coach on Twitter that – I forget where he was from, but he went down there and had a big tweet about, oh, I don't understand what this Whataburger thing is. Uh, yeah, he was ba- he was oh. begging Whataburger for in and out yeah. Yeah, and saying in and out's way uh, better, and I guess he got destroyed on Twitter. Like <laughs> I didn't realize it was this big of a deal. <laughs> Those guys <laughs> in Texas, man, they they take everything a little bit differently.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. But what do I know? So
0: <laughs> coach, no, I, coach- I went down too, and and it was it was. I think I was expecting something much different, and it and it wasn't. So uh, and then I also went down to. It was like a restaurant on the river walk that was like they're supposed to be rude to you or, or something. Yep. Dude, oh, fix, that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. We went, went there and then like but we had a stroller and so we try to get the stroller in and they're like no you can't bring that in and the my whole point was like I couldn't tell when they were actually being rude and when they weren't yeah. and I was like <laughs> this is too much for me. And I told my wife I said we got we're not eating here. We're going somewhere else.
1: I can't, <laughs> can't deal with this. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome that's awesome
2: I went to the one in Indy too coach and I honestly thought that one was awesome as well that was that was a really good time I, I've been to a couple I've been to Louisville but that was way back in the day so I, I think the last one I've been to is actually the one in Indy and I and I, okay. I'm with you. I thought it was sweet you know you had all the restaurants down there and it just seemed like it was it was cool because you'd run into coaches you know it just in you know not in the convention hall you'd run into them all over the place downtown so you got to do a lot of cool networking and, and, and storytelling and, and reminiscing with guys, especially in, in some, some cool places. I, you know, I get to talk to some, some really fun coaches and some really fun times. So I had a blast in India. I know that.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah. And
2: if it, it when it goes back to India, I, I think I'll actually
1: um, think about going back, but you know, at this point in my coaching career, I think I'll focus on, you know, stuff that you guys do, Glazier, just regional stuff, uh, Nike coach of the year, that kind of stuff, because there's a lot of AFCA that's just, you know, just kind of networking and who's getting what job. And if you're, yeah. if you're not looking to be the next GA at the next big school. Um, but I, I will say i missed out on coach Drinkle's, uh piece because last year, that was the highlight of like, uh, two years ago, that was the highlight. Of
0: oh, wait, that, that uh, guy, that guy, they stud, Right. <laughs> Oh gosh. That is the one that I wish I could have went and went and seen. We had him on the podcast and now he's he's um you know, we I probably think he's probably a little bit more of a friend of ours than he actually is, but he always oh, yeah. different things and what an awesome dude and they got stuff rolling there and and um it, it's really cool to see what they're doing and what a love to have been at his his this year because because uh obviously such a such a great football coach, but just makes it fun too uh, to me.
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, not to toot my guy. own horn or anything, not to, to my own horn or anything. But who said that you guys should have them on? Me?
2: <laughs> That's right.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I, you were right, man. We hey, we, we take. Advice. <laughs> we're, we, we don't have too many yeah. those, man. When there's good ideas, we'll we'll use them like any other good coach, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, you were not wrong about that. Well, Coach, why don't you go <laughs> ahead and, uh, head and give us a little rundown uh, about your football career and, and as, a, as a player into uh, a coach and, and what you're doing now.
1: All righty. Um, so, let's see. My name is Grady Breen. I am the, an assistant coach and quarterbacks coach at South Carroll High School in Sykesville, Maryland. Um, I teach social studies um, at the school. This is my second year there, second year in high school teaching. Uh, before then, well, really, um, I'm not from Maryland originally. I'm from New England. Uh, they're always hotbed of high school football, Burlington, Vermont. Um,
2: <laughs> definitely yeah. not a
1: whole lot of coaches up there. Um, I think we had, let's see, like 26, 27 guys in my varsity team. We wow. won like five, five games in high school. Uh, like seven or eight games in high school. But I did have the blessing to – start at quarterback for three years. Um, I had a high school coach who really knew the position, Brennan Carney, who just retired um, from head coach position up there. Um, So through that, I learned a ton about the position and I was kind of the Jeff Van Gundy type in that I didn't have the athleticism to do everything. So I had to do it right every single time. Mm -hmm. Um, My feet had to be good. I didn't have that 60-yard arm. I didn't have that 50-yard arm. I had that 45-yard arm, and I had to get it out quick. Um, So everything, every little mechanical detail, I was always, always thinking about. Um, So kind of struggled through two years, um, probably set the state record for interceptions in a game. Um, Can definitely be that. That's one of my claims to fame. Um, And then going into my senior year, um, bought into R4, and if anyone wants to think about how good R4 is, I tripled my touchdowns and cut interceptions in half in one year because of R4. Yeah, I cannot um, exp- um, express thanks enough to Dub and all that he does with that stuff. It is just outstanding. Legitimately, um, from there, oh, it just—I think it just marries everything up so clearly that you can explain it so much easier. Um, From there, didn't really have, uh, I had some possibilities to play college football, but I knew I kind of maxed myself out. Ended up going down to play uh, college lacrosse at Messiah College in in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Played there for four years, kind of similar to my football career in that I maxed myself out, wasn't the best player, um, but was able to land a captain position my senior year which was pretty cool um uh, but from there i knew pretty early on in in college hey i i miss football i miss coaching football i'm good at it um i know it pretty well um so let's let's see what we can do and what was also cool is that when i would come home um over summer breaks winter breaks etc my high school coach was doing a lot of you know private stuff with area quarterbacks guys from college guys who I'd played with against. Um, and he was starting to have kids. So he was just like, dude, just, you know, take these kids, you make, you know, 20 bucks an hour, who cares? Um, and coach them up because you, every, you at this point know everything I know. So that kind of really sparked my development and real interest. Like, Oh wait, you know, I can do this stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that he knows he's taught me that, is honestly pretty rare. Um, so from there, I started, uh, believe it or not, I started the the Twitter account Open Cross Plant, um, and that's been a a big tool for my growth. Um, still at that point, I was kind of bouncing back and forth between Vermont in the summers and Pennsylvania during the school playing the cross. Um, bridge that into my first AFCA convention in 2014. I was a junior. I said, you know what? This whole lacrosse thing. I'm going to finish my four years, but I know I want to put coach college football. Mm. Tried to network as much as I could at the AFCA. Um, I remember calling my mom from the exhibit floor and being like, Mom, I never want to leave. There's, there's just coaches everywhere. There's helmets. There's new football. It was It's just a coach's dream. And that was the really cool part of it. Um, got to meet with some really cool people there. Um, get, you know, got to. Shake some hands, get some emails, take some business cards. Um, you know, if do you guys know the name Mike Canales at all? I think he's at UTEP now.
2: Yeah, he was at uh, North Texas for a while. I heard him speak a couple times. Good dude. Uh, he, he
1: coaches. He met with me as a he. I didn't have a resume. I didn't have a card. He met with me off a simple social media interaction for an hour in an empty ballroom, just talking about basketball. He had no, he, there wasn't anything in it for him other than just helping him coach.
2: I cannot speak highly enough of that guy.
1: He is just an absolute dude. I Um, saw him
2: uh, coach Alexander, just a quick story on Canales. I know coach Alexander when North Texas came up and played Tulsa one year um, coach Alexander's like calling me repeatedly. And I'm like, what do you need? He's like, dude, you got to turn, turn on the North Texas-Tulsa game right now. And I'm like, come on, I don't, you know, I don't care about this game. He's like, no, just do it. He was going no huddle tempo in 22 personnel. And Coach Alexander thought that I, was like the coolest thing. ever. was like, dude, he's going no huddle in heavy. This is awesome. Because <laughs> I think that was also the year they led the – I think the, they didn't
1: have the best year, but they still led the country in like red zone scoring percentage. Yeah, And everyone was like, what are they doing down there? And it was just, they thought about red zone differently. They prepped for it more thoroughly than other guys were. And, you know, that shows what kind of coach he is. Um, so from there, went into my senior year, was able to get a uh, coaching interview for an internship up at Castle University, which is in Southern Vermont, for a receiver's position. Um, you know, uh, took an interview with a guy by the name of Tony Valpone, who's still up there great great coach Um, and the kind of the backstory was is that I had was a little frustrated with how our year was going or my year was going lacrosse wise so I was just kind of all in on this interview and I wanted to make sure the coaches saw my passion so I might have slammed the table in the interview um, and I guess that's what that that's what got me the gig as he told me like six or seven months later, which is always funny to think back on. Uh, spent, that next, spent that next season coaching receivers um, at Castleton, which was great. You know, it's, it's definitely interesting to go into your, your first college practice, uh, jump the gun on the starter whistle, have the defense coordinator tell you to shut up. Yeah, just every, every young coach faux pas ever. Um, I definitely did it. Um, met some great dudes. Um, you know, you guys know, like just, you miss that office, you know, three guys, two desks, everything's a joke, game planning to Toto, you know, Africa by Toto. It's just, yeah. it's just so awesome. Um, from there decided to, you know, kind of saw, you know, I, you know, Walt, you've seen it. College is great. But there's also high school ball, and there's a lot of advantages to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mentors were high school coaches. I saw them as family men. And it's tough in those kind of GA summits and those talks you hear at things like AFCA. They're like, well, you know, I work 80 hours, and I see my kids, you know, this many hours a week. And you're like, ah, that's that's tough. Um, there's, there's pros and cons to, to either – um, either style of ball, but I went the high school route. Uh, I then spent the next year, moved back in with my parents, got my master's in teaching and then moved a couple of states down to Sykesville, Maryland. Um, as my girlfriend Taylor's down here, she's in PA school currently. Um, so nice. I got a job. Nice at work. South, nice South, work. Yep. Yep. <laughs> South Carroll high school. This is my first year on staff. I spent my first year teaching, not coaching and just kind of like trying to settle in and then um we you know I was able to be hired by our head coach Mike Krause. um we took a 2 and 18 pr- the year previous he was brand new 2 and 8 um we brought him up to 5 and 5 so just kind of some some culture rebranding um South Carol's had a had a pretty good run culture-wise in the past uh we've got a kid who's the one of the captains at Coastal uh we sent a kid to Georgetown a kid to Hopkins so it's it's kind of like rebuilding the the pride in the program so that's where I'm at now um just trying to learn as much as I can talk quarterbacks talk pass game talk really anything football because I'm in general I'm just a nerd um and then I also coach lacrosse in the spring
2: (laughs) coach I love it man I I love the attitude love the passion it's 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 always something to, to be able to talk to guys you know that can take things with a grain of salt and you know, you'd said something about the that GA office. I mean, I, we the GA office I first had at Augustana, I'm not kidding, was I, I have a closet bigger than it now. I mean, there was four desks. Oh, yeah. You're, you're sitting on top of each other. But some of the greatest stories ever happened in there. And then, you know, we, we had the, the VCR that we had to record all the, the film on. Well, they, they didn't also realize that we would have our, our Caddyshack VHS tape, our Lebowski. Oh, VHS gosh. Tape and our Wedding Crashers VHS tape, and it was just on repeat all the time. So, I mean, you're literally oh, quoting, quoting those movies repeatedly. Um, Smokey Joe Salem was actually in there half the time. Brad Salem was the head coach. who's he, now – in Coach Harper met him at, at Michigan State. He's the QB coach there. But okay. his, his dad used to be the head coach at, at Minnesota. And you want to talk about some crazy stories. You know, you got some old dude that, you know, coached in the Big Ten and – Talks like this, oh, wow. oh, you know, oh my god, you know, and you can just oh, keep rolling on, on stories. Those are some of the best times in my life, and I was making four hundred eighty nine dollars a month. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. It it was it was an absolute blast, but at the same time, I was with you, like, dude, I I probably better get a real job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, and it's funny because you know I still
1: talk to the OCI I worked for, Kevin tregros is now at uh, Union up in New York, and then. Paul Capaldo he was our GA so I worked under him Um, and it's funny you you still end up telling the jokes that were just office like lingo like years ago you know it's just it's just funny how like culture it be everything's such an inside joke that it's I don't know it, it becomes so endearing to everyone like we used to you know on Mondays when you know everyone's game planning we used to put up like a clinic schedule for what the defense was talking about just like Poke fun at them. Our our linebackers coach used to always repeat the same coaching point, bring your feet. So then I started a rating system around the office of how many feet things brought. Be like, wow, this cupcake really brings the feet. And just to like evaluate what was good and what oh yeah.
2: It was it was a total riot. Like that's that's the real stuff you miss about college ball. <laughs> I remember asking Smokey, you know being from Minnesota, born in Minnesota. And I'm like, Oh God, he's, he's been around forever. He's got to know who, you know, he's got to be a big Bob Dylan fan. You know, Bob Dylan's born oh, yeah. in the state of Minnesota. So you're like, Hey, you know, Smokey man, you know, what do you think of Bob Dylan? You ever go to like some Bob Dylan concerts? He's like, who? He, didn't even, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he literally didn't even know who the hell Bob Dylan was. And I'm like, God dang. Is that all you <laughs> coach football in Minnesota and, you know, and, and win a few games and you didn't have a clue who Bob Dylan was. He's like one of the most influential people ever. Yeah, I never heard of him. Like, okay. Oh,
1: gosh. That's amazing. Yeah, you and, you know, it's, it's fascinating because as coaches, you all just pick up stories. We had one guy who was on his 40th year coaching, and, you know, this guy, you know, coached against Joe Flacco when he was at Delaware. And it's just – you just love to sit there and listen all the time. It's that You know, that's the stuff. And that's what's great about conventions. It's like how many guys go to conventions and clinics just to, you know, drink beers and talk that's it's 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 one of the best parts of the
2: job and that's not even just game planning all week i i can tell harper the stories from some of the guys and scenes you've seen at the afca but it's probably best i I don't i don't share those things publicly (laughs) oh yeah but good lord you could make some good money on some of the stories and and books and things that you could write from dudes at the afca and i'd imagine too harper i mean you got. There's always a little bit different relationship with you know players and the GAs because obviously you know they're a little bit younger and they know they're grinding and they're going to complain a little bit. But you know, was that kind of like the way it was at Houston? You'd hear some of the stories about some of the older guys that you know maybe they wouldn't be sharing with some of the the older coaches. Um, it, it
0: wasn't for me, but I just never really hung around to anybody. I'm a I'm <laughs> I'm a self-proclaimed. I tell it in front of my 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 alignment. I'm just kind of a weird guy. And, and I, find, I find like my five people in the world that that get me and, and understand what I'm about. And I just hang around those people all the time. And so that's why, I talk, that's why I talk to you all the time, Walls. When I was in college, I had one or two best friends and they're the only ones I hung out with. And uh, everyone else liked me. I was nice enough to them and, and I was good at football, uh, you know, good enough at football. So they left me alone. But no, I never really – I tried not to ever talk to the coaches. I was a, I was a different, different dude. Uh, <laughs> but, so I, didn't ever, I never heard any good stories. And I don't know that any of our GAs were ever very young, really. When I was there, we always had old uh, older ones. Not real old, but older, um, maybe other than one. But, you know, my first year there, it was Lee Hayes, and he had been an OC at Baylor. You yeah. know, and, and, oh, he wow. was, and he was the GA or – or whatever it was quality control GA I don't remember what for sure but that was my first GA and then um when Hayes was he eventually became the offensive line coach I don't remember who was his GA um and then the next guy got it ended up being the uh the offensive coordinator maybe the head coach now over at Snow College um and and but he was a little bit older and he'd played in the NFL for a few years and then my last year was coach Blesh and Blesh had been in high school coaching Um, you know, six, seven years. And then, you know, a year or two later, he was the offensive line coach at Tulsa. So I never actually had any really young GAs on the offensive line. Um, Houston was really, really weird. Uh, Not maybe not weird. But, um, you know, when Coach Levine was there, he was he was fairly against at least what he told me uh, was fairly against having players GA for him uh, from the same school. He was always really worried that guys were going to be like too good of friends and not be able to, you know, become coaches of these other guys when they would just played with him the year before, you know? And so he was kind of against it. And, um, you know, kind of partly one of the reasons I didn't end up getting into the GA jobs is because well he left anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered, but, um, he was kind of against it. And then Dave luckily called me up, but, uh, it was kind of the, it was just kind of the thing around Houston that we
2: didn't have young GAs very often. I guess to each their own, man. It's, it's always interesting to hear all the different philosophies. Um, Coach Breen, I was going to ask you a little bit about, you know, um, lacrosse. You know, I'm always kind, yeah, okay. of, I'm always kind of fascinated because, you know, in, in Colorado when I coached out there for a while, lacrosse was pretty yep. big. So it was, it was kind of a different culture shock for me. You know, usually it was the, the kind of the split was, you know, guys played football and then they'd obviously go run track in the spring where then you'd have, you know, some of your guys that would, would go play, you know, lacrosse, what, what kind of carryover do you see between guys that kind of play both sports? Because honestly, I saw a lot of it, you know, guys were usually pretty tough, um, you know, could really, really move good uh, eye hand coordination. You, you, a lot of my receivers had played, you know, lacrosse cause you know, they had to, to run around and then obviously getting hit and, and sticking some dudes. You know, what were some of the carryover? What's some of the stuff you see between the, the two sports and, and how do they kind of interact because I don't know that uh, maybe a ton of our listeners, you know, kind of understand the the similarities or differences.
1: Yeah, no, that's it, an awesome question. Um, in general, I love coaching both because it's, um, there is a lot of turnover, and I also like having, like, the two seasons. Um, you know, basically, if you think of, you know, to put it in football terms, do you think of everything that your receivers – um, your DBs, um, you know, some of your ends, um, yeah, those kind of motions, anyone, anything that a receiver, DB, or D end does in terms of footwork, you'll be you'll be doing on the lacrosse field, and I think that part of it's cool because you know if you want your best corner playing point guard um, in the winter, or you know if you're okay with having him do that, uh, I would definitely recommend um, having. Well, allowing him to play lacrosse. I know a lot of coaches down, you know, towards your neck of the woods coaches um, that you guys want them running track. And I get that because, you know, guys like Cody Alexander, guys like Cody Alexander have made really good points about, you know, wanting them to like compete um, and wanting them to focus on beating someone individually. And I think that's probably the best argument for track. I also think that a lot of arguments can be made for lacrosse or sports like it, you know, you're having guys swivel hips, take angles away, be physical, compete, um, increase, you know, um, you know, th- you br- a threshold in terms of distance, uh, you know, a lot of aspects of conditioning, um, just that model, mono, mono, you know, no one's going to get hit in track. Um, no one's going to go and just you know, put someone on their back in track much more likely to happen in lacrosse Um, aspects of you know team communication and that's fairly cliche for most team sports but um, for instance you know at South Carroll we had a kid um, that I was coaching for lacrosse that he had played football freshman year uh, I think had a shoulder injury that he wasn't really confident about but um, when I got him for lacrosse he's like TJ you're you're gonna come back Um, and you're going to play football for a senior year, and he did, and he was one of our leading tacklers at Mike Linebacker, Um, so, you know, I think as football coaches, um, if we are hurting for numbers, and and that's kind of a sad conversation we're having across the country, it's not that the kids don't exist anymore, they're just playing other sports, so if, if you go out and, you know, recruit your hallways, and, you know, talk to kids, and, the, the football coach that anyone can talk to and know anyone's name and um, wants to invest in kids. There's a lot of kids who have a bad perception of football just because some youth coach yelled at them when they were in fourth grade or because they, you know, their mom didn't want them to play. Or you know, so if if you're going out and thinking about that stuff, you know, when I watch lacrosse, game, wow that, that kid's got corner hips or that kid made, made a play like a safety in terms of covering ground or he took away an angle, like, you know, a pursuit drill for, you know, an outside linebacker or he made a cut like a receiver. It, you know, we're all really dealing with the same type of taking away and creating space. Um, and then it's also interesting to see, okay, who has the just speed to just pull away from someone. Okay. You know, that guy just clearly when he's, in, when he's an open field, he can just pull away, you know when I was at Messiah, I think one of our polls was actually looked at um, by Rutgers to play fullback, but he had four or five con- concussions as a veer fullback, so he was like hey i'm gonna, <laughs> i'm going to take a step back from this so yeah that that's that's my pitch as a two sport coach
0: that um that- it's something that's not done down here very often, obviously, um, lacrosse, but yeah, uh, honestly our, our, and I would never even heard of anyone playing. I didn't really know it was a sport. I mean, I knew it was, but I didn't know, people. <laughs> played it. but our uh, I sell that I'm saying something nice about it actually, but our best, um, our best tight end one of our best tight ends ever come through broken arrow played lacrosse yep. and played it really well. Okay. And, and, um, you know, he's a little bit lighter, we should have been a little heavier, but, um, he was very, very athletic, he ended up going to a UCO, which was I think is a D2, but um, I think yep. he started as a freshman. You know, I think a lot of oh, bigger schools career. kind of missed out on him, but it was kind of cool to, it was kind of something that I had to learn about almost. I was like, uh, lacrosse, I, I didn't learn that much about it, but uh was, was crazy just to hear that there was um, at least some club teams around that played lacrosse. I didn't even know where they would. Um, I don't. I still don't know <laughs> where they played it, but um, yeah, he enjoyed it, and he was one of the best tight ends we've ever had, you know, come through Broken Arrow. Yeah, and,
1: you know, kind of an example is, um, you know, we're always at, at South Carroll, especially to try to, you know, build our numbers back up a little bit. Um, our One of our linebacker coaches is a gym teacher. And whenever he see, gets a new kid in gym and, you know, that kid's moving a certain way that we like, so he kind of shoots a text to the rest of our, you know, group chat. And we all kind of swarm down there in like a planning period and be like, Oh, you know, who you know, who oh I'm so and so I play, you know, midfield for the lacrosse team. Okay, cool. Well, you know, what about playing safety next year? Well, I'll think about it. So I think it's you know kind of one of those things that definitely we kinda of nationally have to be mindful of, you know, how are you gonna recruit your own hallways? Because those kids are still out there. Like the you know, it's it's just not a guarantee in some communities. Like I know it's different from you guys probably in Oklahoma and Iowa, but year there there's still a bunch of just great athletes walking out there but that you know just need to know that football coaches can make it happen for them and they're you know not what the media might make them out to be
2: I I remember just uh, you know a few of the stories you watch the 30 for 30 or the ESPN ones I mean Jim Brown was an unbelievable lacrosse player at Syracuse you know the absolutely maybe maybe the best running back of of all time and he, he said it many times that you know, it was it was one of his favorite sports, and that was one of the reasons why he went to to Syracuse so he could play it. And then uh like Patrick Kearney was another guy at Virginia. Yep. Big, big scrawny, you know, defensive end and everyone's, you know, hey, you'll be too small to play football, but it's the same thing. I mean, understood leverage, understood how to bend his body, you know, getting into some of those positions, coming off the edge. I know you'd said as as a defensive end. I just think you know there's there's a, a lot of carryover in, and I thought in Colorado it got a bad rap just because you know some of the coaches would call it stick ball and and obviously in Colorado yep. let's be honest it's it's kind of a weed culture <laughs> so you kind of get,
1: <laughs> you,
2: you'd get some of the dudes that kind of played <laughs> lacrosse you know and and I think that was you know maybe why it got a little bit of a bad rap but I noticed a lot of those guys just had such good balance and agility and and body awareness that I was like, man, I go, Hey, there, there's a lot of, of great carryover here for, for those kids. And I didn't have any problem with them doing it. just, as long as, you know, it wasn't taken away from their workouts and they were turning into the, you know, that, that dude culture, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also goes to a, a great point coach about we, d- you know, I try to draw a line with my lacrosse players. I want them playing something else, preferably football. I want, to have them as often as possible you know we probably want our football players doing something else if it's powerlifting, if it's track we want them to have some other development of their kind of you know athletic persona um and you know i tell lacrosse players all the time you know don't just play club in the fall come out play football you know lift get bigger get more physical and both sports kind of benefit each other and that's you know kind of a hard part so now, Coach Harper, congrats on a ring. I've been meaning to say it for a
0: while. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. What what a uh, what an awesome time to uh, to be a coach here at Broken Arrow. Kind of lucked into having some really really good offensive linemen this year too, and uh, hopefully next year. So um, it, it's as an offensive line coach, if you're a really big team and you got a running back that's a three year starter, that's a big guy that wears a uh, wrestles heavyweight and you know wears a neck collar. <laughs> it's uh, it's a it's a it's fun like, it's a fun offense to be a part of as an offensive line coach. Oh yeah, you're you're guaranteed better if you were a neck collar. These kids,
1: coach, I'm sure you're going to these kids. Don't understand how much better you play with a neck collar. You no. know, Bill Romanowski, uh, <laughs> all those Nebraska guys. Oh yeah.
0: And it's rare to see a running back with one on and he had it and he rocked it. And he was, uh, he's the heartbeat of our team. But like I said, he's a heavyweight, he's the heavyweight wrestler. Um, you know, that's, and and that's kind of the other sport that that's obviously a lot bigger in Oklahoma is, is wrestling, but it's true, always fun when our true. guys go to wrestling, uh, because we do get along so well with those wrestling coaches and, and see what that yep. does for both programs. So uh, I always enjoy, uh, I would almost rather our guys be able to stay and work out all the time, but, um, I really yep. like wrestling for a lot of those guys that compete, um, but yeah, it was a it was a fun year and and we got to smash some people. And uh, as an offensive line coach, you want to win no matter what. If you got to throw it every time, who cares? But it's a little extra fun uh, when you get to smash people and and win it like that. Now, in terms of you kind of you
1: guys kind of going over the hump um, as a program as a team, you know of course first state title do you guys do anything different did you scheme anything different did you practice anything different you know that's because that's one thing we think about a lot over here at South Carol like what can we do differently all the
0: time the big difference and and Walls maybe because he was there when they first got here you know Mm -hmm. I was it was our head coach's second year or maybe third year when I got here I think second year Um, second but um Walls was there the very first year but I at least went to high school at Broken Arrow, so I, I saw the difference. Yep. Obviously, the, yep. the big, huge difference, in my opinion, uh, three things, really. One, just getting Coach Alexander there. He was an, he's an NFL 10-year um, veteran and coached offensive line at Jinx where they won a state championship and, comes, and be, uh, comes back to Broken Arrow where he was a Broken Arrow kid and started developing a culture of winning. You know, I saw a great um, – Saw a great quote on Twitter today, and, and it was a quote that he always said, but it's really not necessarily the, the kids that you've got to get buying into being winners. It's all the people that have lost for 70 years, uh all the kids' uncles and moms and dads and great-granddads that have said, Oh, it's okay if you lose to these teams. We know it. It's how it always goes. It's how broken arrow is, you know, as long as you guys play hard. And, and he always always said the thing that was like, you know that the parents would come in and decorate signs and it was like we we're playing all these other teams it was like um oh kill the whoever's and and yep. uh you know smash the so and sos and then it was like you yep. play union and jinx it was like uh your parents still love you no matter what i mean the <laughs> before the game he was like and he was like that's not what the sign should say it should be the murder them too or or <laughs> we we talking about? It's okay if you – it's it's okay we still love you before the game. I think that was a huge shift in culture. Um, and then – so just having him there, a guy that knew it, a guy that was in the NFL, um, a guy that realized kind of, I think, what it took um, from – not as far as working hard. I'm sure every head coach we had worked hard. But being able to build that, that culture into the community even and with these kids. And then I think the biggest difference obviously was – was his, his attention to detail when it came to what he wanted our strength and, and conditioning to be like. Um, now, he doesn't sit down and say, okay, I want to do squats these days, and, and you know, we, we've got – we went, he went out, he hired a strength coach. You know, one of, one of the first – one of the first, you know, places in, in Oklahoma to have a dedicated strength coach. So a big deal there. And the biggest thing I think you could ever do, and if I'm ever a head coach anywhere – Um, I'll I'll find a way uh to work around not having equipment as far as you know at at practice. But the biggest thing we've ever done is he's got peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the kids every single day, and we've got chocolate milk, as much chocolate milk as the kids could drink every single day. And and I think you can have whatever awesome strength coach you want and the best workout program ever. And um, you know, broken arrow, we're not poor, but we're definitely not a rich community. Um, yep. and so, uh, for the ability for these kids to work their butts off and they do, our, our strength coach grinds them and then be able to eat four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and two chocolate milks afterwards has been yeah, a sense. huge, huge impact to us. Um, and, and kind of the culture, if you will, for us, offensive line wise for a long time had been, let's get these kids as fat as they can be. And we had some really yep. sloppy looking kids. And when when Coach Alexander came over, he made an emphasis on no, we want the big, maybe not quite flat belly, but flat belly more type linemen that are big and strong and aren't sloppy. I think all of those things. And then um, to me, as an offensive line coach, what he's done with the offensive line, he's made it a cool thing. It's a cool thing at Broken Arrow to be an offensive lineman. It's not like okay, all the all the guys that can't play any other position go play offensive line. It's a big deal to play offensive line and. And, again, if we've got five guys out there and maybe two of them aren't great offensive linemen, but those two are at least really, really strong, um, and and that will get you, especially in high school football, um, if your guys that aren't very good up front can at least be strong, um, it can yeah. from having any glaring deficiencies normally. And so that's what I would say, and I would say to any coach that there is um, – sell whatever you have to don't have shoots, don't have bags, don't have, um, whatever you got to sell, sell it, find a way to get peanut butter and jelly and chocolate milks for after workouts. Cause it's the, it's, the number one thing you could ever do—that's all that any any nutritionist talks about. I'm sure that's what every single coach tells their kids: "Hey, go home and eat. You got the 30-minute window, but yeah. uh, if you're not providing it, um, uh, to me, you're wasting whatever three quarters or half of what you could have been getting from your workout."
2: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Nutrition, man, feed them. It's all those those basic needs. You know, we we put a jersey on their back, we put. The, the paths, you know, for them to, to be able to play the game, we, we give them the shelter, and then, hey, guess what? You're on your own to get fed. You know, it does, <laughs> yeah, doesn't true. make much sense. So to me, that it's a, a simple, basic, easy thing to hit. And I think the other thing, you know, and again, you know, everyone's like, well, you're not going to be able to afford an indoor. You don't need an indoor facility no. like Harold had. But the the indoor facility that they had, what that also created, and I'll speak from kind of a skill standpoint, was now it made it, again, a cool place for receivers and QBs and DBs to hang out. So now rather than them going off and, and doing something at another place, it just became a central place where kids just wanted to always go and throw, you know, mess around with the, with the football. And, and I think it just kind of really brought that culture together of hanging out in the weight room, hanging out in the place, being a gym rat, learning football, still hanging out with your coaches, getting that camaraderie. It, it didn't happen right away. But you could see that culture really start to take shape because now two, three, four years into the program, that's what those kids just grow up around. Hey, football is a cool place to hang out. This is a fun place to be. It's a great place to work, and I'm seeing myself get better. So I think, you know, f- finding a, a way to get that done, you know, and, and we've done it up here with – we just, we just call it open gym because it's it's too nasty outside to, get, to go get anything done. We just find a gym whenever we can, and if nothing else, the kids get together and socialize and talk to each other and and run the stuff that we want to run and and build a little bit of leadership. So I think that that from a skill aspect really took our dudes to a new level as well. And, again, a lot of that comes back to the head coach.
0: He spends Mm -hmm. um, countless hours up there just so – you know, I don't want to say doing doing nothing. I'm sure he's got something to do as a head coach. You got a bunch in the offseason, but probably not as much in the offseason. But he, he puts the time in so kids have a place to go. You know, he's a, he acts like he's a big, tough guy, man. He's got one of the softest hearts there are. Um, He wants those kids to have a place to be. He's up there, whatever, six hours on a Saturday to make sure these kids um, have a place to be if they want to be around football. Um, And then on Sundays, he's back up there washing their clothes. So they've all got Broken Arrow clothes that they can wear while they're doing these things. And so um, I don't, uh, you know, I think that, that gets glossed over a lot and we've got a lot of great assistants and coordinators and they do an amazing job. And, and our kids were, um, you know, you win a lot of games when your kids are better than, than other kids. And, and this year that ours were, you know, I I don't want to take anything away from that, but at broken arrow, we've had years where our kids were better than other kids and we haven't won, you know, for a hundred years, you've got to say, there's a few years in there and I can think of for sure a few in the last 10, that we had better yep. kids and couldn't win. So, um, yes, we had better kids this year. We were really, really good, but we were able to get over that hump. And like you said, you can't just have – which we do. We're lucky we got an indoor. It's a really big deal in Oklahoma. Um, and especially at our school, we got a – we actually have an indoor baseball facility as well. So uh, Oh, wow. Athletics is, um, is huge where we're at. So, uh, yes, blessed with all of that. But Coach, you know, Coach Alexander still has to put in the time. He's still got to have it open. And and he does a lot for the community, a lot of stuff that, that he probably doesn't necessarily have to, but it just helps all of that winning culture around the whole community. I think that that's awesome. I I was so happy for you guys over there. It was just, it was
1: just cool. It's cool to see kind of, you know, a little bit of regime change over there. Um, you know, heck we, we saw a similar trend with Clemson winning. I know they won a previous one day. I think it's parody is, parity is fun in football and I, I like your point coach about you know coach Alexander because we as coaches always got to know no matter how many parents a kid has at home we're always going to be the plus one of you know the, the impact factor of you know we ne- you never know when a kid really needs mentorship and steering and it could just be a guy who opens a gym for a kid that you know changes a kid's day around or a kid's life around so that that's just cool to hear.
0: And then offensively, I think that what helped us was was being the only book on the shelf. I truly believe in that. Um, I think that's why everyone went to the spread, whether it was air raid or it was more of the Baylor type or it was up-tempo. I think the whole reason people first started going to that was it was different. And so defensive coordinators weren't ready for it. And so it was something new that that now, at least in Oklahoma and a lot of Texas that I see, everyone's in that. And so if we were to go to that same thing – and we don't have the same skill kids that um, some of the schools around us do, then then we're playing with the same offense. We're not making the defensive coordinators that we're playing against struggle, and we've got the lesser athletes at some of those positions, where when we made it a big deal to be strong, uh, now now we get in some heavier personnels, and now the guys aren't used to every week needing their safety to be down in the box or uh, you know, whatever it is. And, and their guys aren't used to taking on a fullback. They're not even used to seeing a fullback or a tight end or two tight ends. And so when we were able to do that, it's just – it's just a uh, – being able to be different, I think, has helped us out a lot too.
1: Yeah, true. That, that That's cool. And, you know, it's it's kind of like, of course, North Dakota State. You know, it's the same. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and we saw defensively how many teams go to that, you know, Katie style 3-4 and suddenly where's the fourth rusher where's the you know extra run fitter coming from and then if everyone's a 3-4 team no one's a 3-4 team because like okay I can just game plan for this <laughs> all right. over again you're like oh yeah uh we're running the same checks as we did last week fellas we're good oh okay <laughs>
2: That's so true. I mean, you know, it, when it, when it starts to, to move one way or the other, literally that's why everyone keep, keeps saying, you know, yeah, the pendulum swings one way and swings the other. Well, that's cause yeah, when everybody's doing the, the same thing, it's a lot easier to, to make your adjustments. All of a sudden you become the, the new kid on the block or the old kid on the block in this case. I mean, you, you start to beat up on people and, and force them to, to make their adjustments and you can always just kind of stay a step ahead. So I couldn't agree more. I, I, I thought it was hilarious. You know, everyone's like, oh, man, everyone's going to this odd front. Well, then, after a while, you know, Coach Harper and I had the blueprint to rip odd. I mean, we were hoping to. <laughs> and almost, you know, all of a sudden you see an even front, and Harper's like, what do we, what do we want to run this week against the even? Front? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, now, did you guys see, see much of any of that tight front this year, the four eyes or no?
0: At like the 3-4 with the four eyes?
1: Yeah, the stuff that, you know, the Texas is running and – And the,
0: some uh, of the 3 uh, stuff with it. Yeah. We saw, we saw a little bit in Oklahoma, um, but but mostly not – it wasn't anyone's defense uh, going into the game, but but we did get into a little bit more of it because we were so heavy uh, and we were kind of pounding people that we saw a lot of different fronts um, that, that teams hadn't been uh, – we hadn't been used to seeing. Go ahead, Walls.
2: I'd say you'll see more of it, I think, this next year, especially in Iowa, because, you know, I, Iowa State, it kind of, you know, Oh yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say, you know, per- perfected it or invented it, but they started to use a lot of, you know, the, the five safety, three, three stuff. So I, I, I'm sure we'll see a little bit more of it up here, but, you know, most people up here tend to copy Iowa. So I, I see yep. more even front up here than than I've ever seen in the last, you know, 10 years, everybody's a a four, two, five or a four, three even. And, and they don't, they don't change personnel. So that's kind of, I think what's been a a good adjustment for us is, is we've gone to more of a multiple odd look and, and given some people some problems because we kind of are now that, that only book on the shelf. And then same thing with, you know, offensively we gave some teams problems this year because we were kind of a hybrid, you know, running some of the Nebraska things, you know, with, with frost and then also running some of the North Dakota state things and then having some QB run games. So I think getting that figured out the, the second half of the season w- was really giving the teams a, a lot of problems against it. So I'm excited to to keep expanding on that. Uh, like Co- coach Harper said, you know, when you, when you kind of do some of the things that a lot of other people aren't doing, it, it makes it a lot of fun. Hey, did you guys see that a bunch this year? Uh, we
1: thankfully didn't, you know, in up here in Maryland, you know it's definitely competitive you know a, a team across the um town from us like one of the towns we pull from the team on the other side um had the nation's longest winning streak for a little bit so it's, it's definitely competitive we didn't see a ton of four eye stuff we also saw some definite 425 stuff a lot of quarter stuff um yeah so so some odd, so some odd some even but um i would say 425 or Four three was probably the stuff we saw most, and then like one three three stack team. Mm. But yeah, so I don't know. It, I just I think that like, like you guys said will kind of be the the thing that people go to that like oh this is this the seed zone running game. But we'll see because then somebody else will start you know,
0: and then next year everyone's gonna run pin and pull
1: against it, and it's gonna be yeah. So it's That's just right. gonna be back and forth.
0: Are they going to put a tight end on the backside? Then it uh, then it's really a, a gash, in my opinion. But that, I don't know. It deeds it,
2: their own, I guess. That was one of the things that uh, when Coach Seymour was on, and he was a, a defensive buddy of mine up at Montana, and he said, you know, asking if if you get into some of the the bare front or you know your tight four eyes to to stop a team like North Dakota State, and he was like, you know, you, you might do some of that as a changeup. But he says when you when you'd get into that too much it was a lot harder to move when you're in a bare front. It's a very static front. You know, oh, man, yeah. It's a lot harder to move when you're putting dudes in, in four eyes. Usually you're not getting as much, you know, slant or movement. You're kind of pretty, pretty sure, oh, you're going to stay in B-gap. So he thought against a lot of those, those good teams, if you kind of went into it and just stayed in that or, you know, had that as part of the gameplay, they could really scheme you up. So he felt like, yeah, it's a good changeup, but he felt like, you know, if you're going against somebody really, really good – they were going to get you one way or another. All those teams had their good, you know, tight or bare checks. And, and they'd get hurt doing it if they kept calling it too often. Coach, what yeah, did I, you guys, did you guys mostly stay in this year?
1: Uh, we kind of bounced around. We, we started with some 11. We did some 21. Yeah, mainly 21 and 11, hmm. I think, going into next year. Um, will probably be the same kind of, you know, 11, that can be 20, depending on where the tight end is. Um, uh, because I think that's kind of in vogue right now. Um, really kind of coach depends on how some of our freshmen and sophomores develop. Um, you know, if a kid packs on 15 or 20 pounds, we could be some more 12. Um, we could be some more 21, or if he stays a little bit thinner, we'll, we'll stay at 11. Um, You know, I think right now it'll be important for us to be like, okay, this is, this is who we'll be. Um, We were a little, you know, kind of sampling last year, especially with a new staff and, you know, trying to fit kids in, in the right holes. Um, And we, we had the blessing of having some kids who were a little versatile, which was good, but probably again, somewhere in between 2021 and 11, uh, which I would say a lot of teams are these days. Um, especially with some of that spread run game, the, the single back power, you know, split zone, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, we see a ton of 20 personnel. And I think maybe Texas, probably high school, might see the most of it. It seems like most of the film we get from Texas is, is very 20 personnel heavy.
1: Now, question for you, and this is something I, I think about probably too much. When you, like, when you guys go into a week, how many are you guys wristband or signals?
0: Yeah, broken arrow. We're at Broken Arrow, we're wristband um this year. We're we're gonna get a little more signally next year, but we'll still have wristbands. How about you, Wolf?
2: We're uh we're one hundred
0: percent signals. Yep.
1: Okay. Yep. Okay. Now, Hart, when you guys are on bands, how many plays do you think you carry into a week? Um
0: into the game on the band? Yeah. The uh, well let's see we go one two four i think like uh i think we got like six sheets maybe oh wow so however many that is a bunch our guard wears a, a band as well okay so the quarterback will have one i think it's got three sheets in it uh front and back yep. whatever that is yep. two or three sheets front and back and then our our guard actually has a color over there as well so we go into it with a bunch of plays. Uh, but now, again, uh, okay. you don't to be right or left. And, and um, you know, we've got a lot of shifts and motions as well. So all those are on the band, too. Yeah, because,
1: you know, it's, it's something I think about in terms of – because I personally don't like having to double call everything with, in terms of right and left. So what we've started to do a little bit, and I, I picked up from my high school coach, is just running things strong and weak. And you know now we flip our line a bit too, and because we had a we had a pretty dominant tackle this year, and hopefully we won't have to next year. But so instead of having to call you know power right, power left, we were just calling you know power to the field or weak power. So we could cut all of our calls in half sure. and then be a little bit more varied. So yeah. the way
0: the way me and Walls did it is still. Um... I, know, I love the way we do it, at Broken Arrow. I've got no problems with it, but I always really liked yeah. the way me and yeah. Waltz did it. Um, it, it. We actually had a different word um, for right and a different word for left, but it, it all okay. it all it all had the same thing. So if it was, um, you know, if it was mid zone right, it always started with an yeah. M, and then if it was to the okay. right, it had an R in it. If it was an left, it had an L in it. So it was murder and mall was mid zone right. Okay, mall was mid zone left. And we had all of our run plays like that, Uh, like you said. So if we wanted to go some no huddle, we needed to hurry up. They were very easy to signal in, and it keeps you from saying, hey, mid zone, and then giving another signal for right. It was just murder, whatever our signal for murder was. And the guys knew, and that's how I taught it. Hey, (laughs) M, what's M? Oh, mid zone. Okay, and we wouldn't have any other M's. We'd have to make up new things if another – play we like okay. sort of an M, but um hey, M, you hear M, it doesn't matter, guys. Even if it was um uh, you know, Marley, it doesn't matter. Or Mars, right? If it's Mars, yep. it has an M, starts with an M. It's mid zone, it has an R in it. You're going to the right, mid zone right. And so I always kind of like that. Cut down on some on some verbiage. And we're gonna work on yep. some verbiage this year because I know Coach Wilkinson, our OC, wants to be able to signal in some more stuff, uh, because he's not a huge fan of having it <laughs> on the band. Uh, because I think it does obviously limit you a little bit as an OC. And then you kind of fill them up and you're like, oh, I'd really like to put this on there too.
1: Oh, gosh. there's You know, I feel like every staff has that guy on Thursday night who's just like telling you what you – oh, we have this, right? Coach, were you at the game plan meeting on Monday? No, you weren't. No, coach, we can't draw things in the dirt. And oh,
0: yeah, no, it's just right. – oh, gosh. See, I'm I'm opposite guy of that. I'm I'm always uh, I'm always being pushed to kind of open it up a little more. I'm always like I really like these three plays. Let's rep them eight thousand times and be really good at them. But uh, a lot of times that won't win you win you the big games. So I'm am always getting pushed out of my comfort zone a little bit. I'm always like I don't know if we can block it against every front. And, and, uh, I'm the I'm the worrier. I think of of the group. Yeah, I I get that.
2: I yeah I, I think. Having the flexibility and, you know, you go to, to some of these programs like, you know, Nebraska kind of no, no huddle of kings when they're at Oregon and listen yep. to some of the ways they did it. And it was, it was actually pretty cool to to go there and it kind of validated the system that, that Harp and I had where, you know, we were eliminating verbiage and, and we could still call it using numbers. I mean, if we ever wanted to, and, and there were, you know, some, some sign stealing savants that were out there, we could always change it up, slow down. And we we did have a numbering system where we could call it, and the kids understood the same thing. So I mean, we we do the we do the same thing here, and and you know obviously, if you're doing some of the you know freeze count check with me, you know maybe you change up your your code words or you're, you're using some of the numbers as well. So I think you know having that flexibility and, and teaching kids in multiple ways and having to think and and make connections, I mean that's that's high level thinking. When they're doing high level thinking, they're going to learn more. So I think you know making making those connections and making it a little bit easier for them. But then again, at the same time, having, you know, multiple ways of getting it done, th- those kids will really, really learn it. But I love the system that, that Harp and I had. I, I still use it to this day.
1: Yeah. I think one of the parts of me that kind of struggles with some of the, the no huddle one word, like fastball stuff, or even just shorter play calls. Cause I'm, I'm more of a West coast guy. My the way I write plays, it's just probably too long at this point, but <laughs> As a coming from a teacher's perspective, and you know, both of you can surely attest to this if kids barely read the instructions on a quiz, like I don't know, I haven't seen kids wholesale buy into shorter play calls and remember them yet. Um, so up until that point, I'm just too worried about a kid for oh, wait, I thought you know, 619 was I go out, no, you go in, no, so I don't know, it's up until that point, I'm. I guess I'm I'm too worried about it, but we'll see. I'd, I'd love to be in your, you know, your shoes if a kid remembers murder or Maul, but, you know, we'll see.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, the offensive line wouldn't for, uh, forget those plays. They re- always remembered power and they always remembered murder and Maul. <laughs> <laughs> Bron- Bronco
0: and bull and and murder and Maul. They were, they were all in it. They were ready for it. And it was, um, but yeah, it uh, uh, was right. Now uh, being able to, words was never I never was really a big fan of words until he was like hey well I want some words to so figure out a good way to do it and so I did but I'd always liked I'd come from college where it was numbers and numbers made more sense to me uh yeah each number meaning something but um yeah words words were really really simple and then um you know kind of the way we we got in formations with tagging where the h goes was really really simple as well in a similar way we still do it so um I know it's all – you know, like you said, it's it's all about making sure whatever it is that your kids uh, know what they're doing and, and you're making it the easiest for them. And, you know, I think that some of our run game gets a little wordy at Broken Arrow, which is my fault, solely my fault. <laughs>
2: because
0: it's because I like – I'd rather instead of creating a new play, add a tag. You know, yeah, I, I don't want to – if it's just like something else except for one person's moving, I don't want to make up a new play, which would be shorter. I'd just rather call it the yep. play put a tag on the end of it and say, okay, now backside tackle, you've got to do this on this tag. You know, to me, that makes it a lot easier and, and we're in a lot better shape. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of run game, I'm
1: always, you know, I was on coach Huey the other night. I'm always amazed at how many different ways you can do the same thing. You know, guys are talking about, you know, 10 forum pages of just talking about how to run inside zone. Well, there's, you know, you can do wide splits and, you know, solo blocks, or you can do, it just just blows me away, because you could have a thousand plays, and it could all technically be inside zone, but okay, on this play, we're releasing downfield, okay, on this play, we're all solo blocks, okay, on this play, it's split zone, and we're pass setting the tackle, or, you know, who knows what, I just, I think that's one of the most fun and fascinating things about our profession, we can just always talk to guys, and and you guys know, and, and that's what so great about your show is that you realize how many good dudes there are out there nationally you're just yes they're just great dudes like think of how many programs you guys follow now you know i've had conversations with coach coach gower coach gayler like uh you know coach strinkle just dudes all over the place as soon as you know that they're a football coach you know they're a good guy
2: no, it's, there's there's absolutely no doubt about it. I mean, the the, the number of, of, you know, friends and people that, you know, I've talked to, but I've, I've never met, and it, literally in every single state. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, you know, guys will find out, you'll post something on Twitter like, hey, I'm going to Hawaii for a week. Oh, you need to go check this out. And hey, I might be out there. <laughs> you need to go to this bar and you need to go get something to eat here. And, and Hey, I'm going to be out there for this and let's meet up. Can we talk a little bit of ball? You're like, Hey, all right. You know, but I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you're at. You instantly have that, that connection. It's like you said, you know, it's going to be a a good dude for the most part. And, you know, someone that you, you can hang out with and, you know, find some common ground. It really doesn't matter. You know, if they're wing T, if they're double wing, if they're four, four, if they're a special teams guy, it, it's amazing that you're all able to kind of still find a way to speak that language, even though, like you said, hey, there's a thousand different ways guys run the inside zone.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Harp, I know I've messaged you about this. Imagine a show of just, you know, something in between RTP and like diners, drive-ins and dives. you know, just <laughs> go to go to some small town middle america and just eat and talk ball at some guy's favorite restaurant i think that is a gold mine and if travel channel wants to hire me i will do it for free <laughs> for free, there you for go.
0: free yeah. i was about to say that's the goal for rtp someone said the other day they would drive the bus the RTP bus, so uh, we've already oh, said yeah. we're going to get a bus, and now we're going to go through uh, Middle America, like you said, eat some at some uh, at some awesome restaurants, and, and talk football. I don't think it gets a whole lot better than that. Oh, of course not. It's just, that's that's perfection right there. That's, that's why we go to convention again. That's right, and that's the coolest part, honestly, about the podcast. We get you know we get some different things out of it, and it's really cool. But it's like going to a clinic four times a week. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yep. And we don't have to go outside of our house.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's the
0: coolest part for me. I'm a little bit of a homebody. I don't have to get on a plane. I don't have to drive anywhere. I get to no go to a big crowd room. There's no crowds. It's just me. It's <laughs> me, a guy that I'm really good friends with, and then meeting new coaches and talking football, I man. It doesn't get any better. It's the coolest.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think that brings up a really good point because think of how big – social media and like social, well, social media promotion, how important it is for our programs as brands first and foremost, but how much of an equalizer social media is for coaches. Suddenly we realize that, you know, some guy in Mississippi knows the wing T really well or knows, you know, wide zone really well. And in, instead of however many years ago, we'd have to invest $40 a DVD on some, you know, clinic DVD that we would get five minutes of stuff out of. Instead, we're you know just we're watching NFL All 22 tape on, you know, like four different. You know, if heck, if you follow an account like James Light during a game, you know all of their calls. It's fascinating.
2: <laughs> I know. There's like half the time I'm just sitting there and I'm like, okay, what are they going to call on? I'm just looking at Light's Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. How, me- how is that man?
2: Have every playbook in the country. It fascinates me. Yeah, I don't, dude. I don't know. He's he must he must be like part of the mafia or something. Man, he's got them all. Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah, but with technology right now, there's no reason. If you love something, whatever it is. Luckily for me, it's football. But if you love something else, there's no reason you shouldn't be an expert in it. Just because all the information's there yeah that's what i tell kids in my class i'm like you guys don't get it and they'll like ask a question maybe i won't know and or i'll be like you guys can you know go do some research look that up and they'll act like it's such a pain in the butt and i'm like guys you want to know the answer of it you know what i mean maybe something that doesn't even have to do with our subject i I don't know why you expect you want to know the answer why do you expect it to be given you know like Whatever, 20 years ago, when someone didn't know something, they had to find a ride to the library, find the right book, (laughs) and uh, hope that book was in the library that day, wasn't checked out forever, and and, uh, then hopefully they find it. All you got to do is get on your phone, Google it in five seconds, and you know the answer.
2: (laughs) You have to do like a keyword search, and you just hope that somebody had written a book about it.
0: (laughs) That's right. Okay, I guess that's kind of
2: close. Maybe, okay, and I'm going to peel through these 20 chapters. And maybe I find the answer and maybe I don't. Now you you type it into Google and, oh, look at that. There's 106,000 choices for me. (laughs) And they even prioritized them for me. Oh, cool. I mean, I I agree so much, Harp. I'm like, the the conversations we're having now in my new job, I have all the time with with other instructional coaches, is like, what is public education going to look like in 20 years? Are they even Mm going to have schools? Do you even need schools? I mean, if you're going to be so content-driven in some of these courses at a secondary level, you know, just use your, your class, for example, Harp Astronomy. What's yep. holding back from just taking all your content, throwing it up online, and having the kids do it, the ones that can? Nothing. That's no. what colleges are doing right now. Exactly. And that's why I'm like, you know, some of, these, some of these educators and teachers, you know, like you don't want to, you know, perfect your craft of teaching and pedagogy, and all you want to do is content dude, I don't need that. You know, I need, I need to, to someone to show me how to learn better, you know, but if you're just going to make me regurgitate content and do things, why can't I just do that online and not have to go to school and wake up? I can do that at home. I do that on my phone. So, I mean, that's the thing for me is like perfecting my coaching technique or my teaching technique. If I'm just being content driven, I could be replaced by the computer in two seconds.
1: We, we actually have a woman who teaches biology here at, at South Carol that she puts a lot of her lectures online and films them. And we yeah. even have graduates who are struggling in their college bio class and go back and watch her old stuff. It's yeah. fascinating. I'm like, wow, we like that is just game changing.
0: We do something very similar with our offensive line, um, and, mm-hmm. and, and I'll record different things for them and put it up there um after a session and i know like uh when i was at missouri when i went and visited missouri they video all of their um all of their sessions they do with their kids and they put those up online as well for their kids in case someone missed it someone wanted to re-go over it uh, it's all there i think it's if you're not using that stuff man i think you're falling behind and right now i hope people don't start using it because it's been a huge advantage for us <laughs>
1: Yeah, any any way we can get you know, intersect kind of how kids operate these days, you know, it it just helps everyone, and you know, it just efficiency and you know, meeting them at their level, and you know, I I think Coach Drinkle said, you know, these kids aren't dumb. We just got to know how to like communicate and educate them and interact with them on their level, and I think you know that's why guys like Gary V are so popular is because he's not just kind of sweeping the younger generation under the rug but you know giving him some props
0: yes he is i i love his stuff i just watched one of his Tell videos you. last night i think or two nights ago i just coach honestly i just hope he buys a jet like that's what i'm here for because <laughs> you know he keeps talking about it so i just hope he does it because that's good for everyone and I like it. Like He's like a public, sp- he's like a motivational speaker, but one that's actually done stuff. We used to have a couple guys at Houston that came by, and they were big-name guys. And I was like, I don't care to hear what this guy has to say because he's made his whole career off speaking. And then he speaks about how hard he works speaking. And I'm like, he didn't know he anything. I don't <laughs> care to hear anything he's got to say. Give me a guy like Jocko or a guy that – uh, actually made something of himself other than just really good talkers. Same thing as Gary V. I mean, actually created all this stuff. That's the guy I want to listen to.
1: And, and you also know, and we see it sometimes in coaches too, they'll just say the same thing over and over and over again. And you're like, well, coach, what about answers for this? Or, you know, motivational speaker, what about this? Well, you got to find the purpose within yourself. What? No. <laughs> like, you know, what's, what's fun. I think. And <laughs> it kind of goes back to the equality of social media is that we find, we find out who are the real good coaches are. We don't have to pay, you know, outstanding DVD charges to listen to some guy draw on a whiteboard. It's like, Hey, this is the coaching point. This is, this is how this guy does it. This is how this guy does it. And it's not, you know, the fun thing about guys like Gary Vee or coaches we like is, they're going to tell us differently depending if we run into them on the street and we're like, Hey, how do you do this? They'll be honest and they'll be genuine and they'll actually have answers, not just some cookie cutter version.
2: (laughs) That's right. Credibility, dude. We've talked about it many times. Credibility for the person that's in charge. If you don't think that person is credible, that person has no chance of teaching you or coaching you. Well said. Well There's fed. absolutely zero chance. So you have to build that credibility instantly. It, it's one of the strongest correlations there is to teaching and learning and coaching. So be credible. Yeah, Absolutely. Well,
0: co- well Coach, we're coming up. We've, uh, we've, we've surpassed an hour by a little bit. Um, but the, the question I like to always ask everybody and kind of end on is, when, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Well,
1: you know, I, of course I've, I've practiced this line every time <laughs> I think I've listened to you guys. Um, so it, it kind of comes a little bit with a story back in, I think 2015 or 2016, I got to listen to the NDSU guys, the O-line talk about their everyday drills. Nice. And I, the, the, the fascinating thing coach was that I listened to them in, it was actually in, at, in San Antonio at the convention. Um, on January 11th. The fascinating part is on the night of January 9th, they had won the national championship game. So not two days afterwards, their entire offensive staff was already clinic talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just talked about how they're very rules-based in terms of protections or blocks. Um, and their O-line coach at the time, I don't know if he's still there or you know, still in the same role, he talked about how, he can't show every look all the time that someone's going to bring some, you know, new look. Um, so he has to rely on rules and go through the fundamentals every day. So I really like coach when somebody pulls something out exotic, you know, some maybe delay stunt or some looping linebacker and you see a center or guard, you know, just get depth and, you know, come across or, really having answers for stuff they haven't seen before on a on a group level, um, and then on an individual level, I just like that, you know, when you have individual answers, you know, the I think was it Coach Jones talking about clip last year of, you know, Past Pro isn't passive, that clip of uh uh Nate Solder standing up, I think it was Dante Fowler, one of the Jaguar guys. Like, how can you really stand up a guy? So that individual mano Imano, you've got counters for their counters and then as a group um how do you handle the stuff you've never seen before um because any just you know, some team's gonna undoubtedly roll something out that they haven't shown so those are the, kind of the two things that i that i look for um because it's it's always a chess match and that's why we do all these different things um so that's definitely what i look for in terms of watching the
2: line I know Coach Harper's smiling right now because those two answers got to make him happy. (laughs) There's no doubt. (laughs) Coach, man, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, Glad to have you on. Glad to to finally meet you, man. And we're definitely going to have to hook up and we'll definitely have to do it again. You've been uh, one entertaining dude. And I think, you know, anytime you can podcast for an hour and 15 minutes, and it seemed like 15 minutes you know it's usually, it's usually been a pretty good thing so hope to run into you sometime soon coach and appreciate you coming on man it's been awesome
1: yeah if if you either one of you guys are ever on the east coast let me know because um, i'd love to show you guys around or you know have you guys click talk for anything that i'm connected to but yeah if you're ever in the area let me know because i know if i'm coming out that way i'm looking you two up so thanks fellas